The future belongs to those who control the culture, and the culture belongs to those who control the conversation. So we are having the conversations you wish you could have at church to build a safe and vibrant community. This is the Oz Table Talk podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Oz Table Talk. My name's Luke, I'm at the table with Steve, Dave, Ben and Ore. Hello guys, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> Jump on it, Ore. I wish, I wish they could have seen that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, know, I know you really need the body language, hey. Isn't it good that we're going to be recording videos soon so they'll actually see that body language? I can't so. wait. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was that sarcasm or are you actually genuinely excited no, about No, I'm excited for that to be honest. Yeah, yeah what a I strange it, man. It has a, you know, you've got to see the character. To be yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I wish people could see the cheeky grin on your face after you did what you did. Like, <laughs> bursting onto the scene and you're like Cheshire cat like <laughs> yeah. how are we peeps yeah really good really good mm-hmm. yeah doing well so it's been a been a busy week but a good one so. yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's good well as you know tax season so keep them busy yes keeps yeah. me semi out of trouble mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll ask Tiffany about that though, right? <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> we'll find out about the little bit of trouble. <laughs> After if anyone knows it, it's going to be her. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, busy, busy, bu- uh, see if I can say that in English. Busy week for me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had uh, all of our assessments seem to be due around this week. And then we also were given five full days of, of lab experiments. But the classes that we normally have don't stop. So now I've got oh, what? now I've got a week's worth of material to catch up on. Plus I've got assignments that are due tomorrow night. Oh, and you're still here. That is commitment. <laughs> <laughs> Your uni's a savage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's brutal. Mm. Well, it's been uh, fun though. It's cool breaking stuff in the lab. <laughs> that part of it would be fun. That's yeah. just, just not the workload that goes with Sounds it. Sounds like you're just throwing things around in the lab. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's very strategic. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they choose which things to break. Yeah, <laughs> we, we plan how we're going to break them. We don't need a speaker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you find out it's a stress reliever for you. <laughs> well, see, the thing is, Steve, with engineering, you've got to know when something breaks so you can stop it from happening. So to get there, you need to break things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. All of a sudden, engineering sounds more appealing than it <laughs> yeah. did. <laughs> yeah. Not to mention all the maths that goes along with that. Uh, yeah, okay, that's pretty much where I where I check out. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you're doing it because, quite frankly, that actually looks boring compared to tax work for oh, me. What? <laughs> I know, right? What? Oh, oh, are you, you even a human, Ben? Well, I, my first year of uni was engineering. Yeah, but how how can you like doing tax returns more than breaking stuff? I, I actually enjoy um, a little bit of legal stuff. So well, hang on, let's be clear about this. What it is that you enjoy is the fact that you can arrange all of the financial pieces in such a way to get the desired result. It's like a big Rubik's cube, right? Yeah, it's like a giant. It's like a giant puzzle, and the more you know, the more pieces basically you can jiggle around until you get the number that you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Steve just had this moment of realization, like that's how embezzlement happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought accounting was a lot more stricter. <laughs> yeah. 
You do have some wriggle room, and if your clients will actually agree to tax planning before the end of the tax year, you can do a lot more for them. Yeah. So you can kind of jiggle the numbers before before things happen, because you can say, well, if you buy this, this, and this, because you need this equipment, we can get a better result, and you'll save all this money. Mm. Yeah, I love but, when the boss comes out and says, what do you guys want? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it's a victimless crime because, well, not crime, planning, because ultimately <laughs> all you're doing is ripping off the ATO. I mean, minimizing the amount of tax they get. No, you're just, <laughs> just paying GST. It's all. Yeah. <laughs> Am I hearing things correctly, Ben? Are you saying on air that you enjoy jiggling the numbers and ripping off the ATO. <laughs> In a strictly legal manner, yes. Yeah. Okay. Right. Enough yeah. said. Yeah. And for our international listeners, that's the, the Australian tax office. So, yeah, government body responsible for taking all our money. So. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, how about we get to our icebreaker question now Ben has like hung out some dirty laundry for us. Yeah. So. <laughs> actually, you Strictly actually, legal dirty laundry. Yeah, that's right. But actually, maybe Ben's answer might uh, be relevant to this icebreaker, but what is the biggest risk you've ever taken? <laughs> Hopping on a plane. <laughs> are, are you serious? Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's right up but, there for but, you, though, but, isn't it? I do, I do have a phobia for flying, though. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. You, know, you, you, you just have to you know, take a bit of cement and you know, yeah. get on with it. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, like... Just a hold on before you go there. Yeah. Like, what do you do? Like, what's your management technique when you're taking off and, you know, you can feel the, the Gs and you're headed up? Don't watch <laughs> don't watch air, air crash investigations the night before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And uh, lots of praying. Yep. And um, just um, just scouting out the the, the pilots, just making sure that they <laughs> that they've had a you know a, a good time, you know, yeah. <laughs> that they're not stressed. <laughs> making uh, sure they weren't doing something on their break that they shouldn't have been. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm w- w- watching their gait, see how they uh, <laughs> if they're walking okay. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, honestly, it's just you know you just they just get used to it. Yeah. 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 I hope for the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least it is pretty safe, but, but yeah, I, I do get that because I'm afraid of heights. So the biggest risk I've taken is not with my um, work because I always follow the rules strictly. Mm-hmm. But uh, Firefoxes, I just love them. Going up in the trees and um, just just speeding along a, a wire at um, 100 k's an hour is... I actually quite enjoy that. Which is weird because I used to be scared of heights, so I, I did these sorts of things to get over it. Mm. Okay. And, you know, take a spoonful of concrete. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Oh, that's cool. Exposure therapy. And yeah, I've grown to really love that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. It works. I know. Right, I have to try that for mine. <laughs> You're a bit scared of heights as well? No, no, not heights for me. It's it's other things for me. So like deep water. I'd love to be able to snorkel and scuba. I oh, that would be scuba, the best yeah. thing. Yeah. I just love underwater stuff, but mm. can't do it because I start hyperventilating. Really? Yeah. yeah. So even snorkeling. So like you just like a body like I can up. I can snorkel on okay. top of the water where I can touch. It's just mm. when it start, as soon as I go outside of my range, really? my body just starts panicking. Oh. You'll have mm. to come out to Total Coverless. It's okay. good. And it's not that deep. If we strip, especially if we got low tide. Okay. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. See, this is why I said Dave is a brother from another mother. Like, <laughs> 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 that, that is such a like a thing that I like I don't like at all. Okay. There you go. Both We're both going snorkeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll no, we'll just good. fly there on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, for me, I don't know. It's hard to answer this question. I don't really know what the biggest risk I've ever taken is. But 
probably some of them would have been uh, relating to climbing mountains or cliffs or something like that. Mm-hmm. Just doing stuff that, you know, if you if you slipped, you could die. But you don't really think about that at the time, so it's just all fun. Oh, I think about those kind of things at the time. Yeah, okay. That's where you and I are a bit different then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I might not be able to swim, <laughs> but put me on the edge of the cliff, I'm fine. <laughs> Oh, weird, weird, really weird. No, I remember one time some some boys and I we were, we were climbing this cliff, and um, there's this massive, big wedge-tailed eagle. It would have been at least five foot tall, uh, like just standing. This bird, it was a massive thing, and uh, it was eyeing off this kid. What? Sorry, five, five foot tall, just standing. I'm like, my yeah, like. I'm just trying to get a picture of that because, like, my wife is five foot two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Her as an eagle. That, yeah, that's what I'm imagining. That's how big this bird form. was, man. It was. I, I've never seen anything so big in my life. It was huge. It was a wedge-tailed eagle for our Australian listeners. Um, they don't usually come in that size, but no. like, it was massive, man. Anyway, so we were climbing up this cliff, and it was sitting above us. We didn't see it until we got up a fair way up the cliff, and and uh, I looked up, and one of the kids that I was climbing with, he was probably. I don't know, 10 or 12 or something at the time. But he was quite a small kid. Like, he, he didn't grow until a bit later in life. And uh, this bird was looking down at him like he was he was eyeing off lunch. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we were just like, uh-oh. So I said, stop, mate. I'll, I'll just go up ahead of you. And um, because I was a bit bigger and so I was a little bit less threatened by the bird. But it was, yeah, it was pretty pretty spooky sort of experience, you know, because, like, we couldn't really go down. We were on the edge of a cliff and mm-hmm. we are climbing free as well. So it wasn't... It wasn't an option really to go back at that point. Mm. Um, but yeah, above us is this massive bird that looked hungry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun though. It was, and it was, you know, I like those experiences, even if they are a bit risky or scary or whatever you guys might define them as. Um, because it's a memory, you know, and so like that's a, a day that I'll never forget. You know, we had so much fun and we had such laughs about it afterwards. Mm. So yeah, cool. good times. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a nightmare, but yeah. Yeah, yeah good for you though. <laughs> Steve O. Yeah, I don't know. I guess the scariest risk for me is I'm not a fan of heights when I can't control it. And there's fire trees in Western Australia. I think they're about 80 metres tall and it's just Rio belted in the side of the tree. Mm. And the gaps between the Rio are like, I don't know, they're people-sized gaps. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And my brother's not scared. He just like ran up like it was like just normal stairs. But yeah, I got to the top of this tree and just like lay on the platform. Mm. Yeah, yeah, freaked out. Yeah, I got, yeah. was it swaying? Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. It's just yeah, not fun. Like yeah. it was, it was, I'm glad I did it, but I was, yeah. I'm not scared of heights, but when you get on one of those platforms that are up in a tree and they start swaying, it's a little mm. bit iffy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're thinking. I hope the engineers did a good job on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it actually sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, like it was good to do, and I was. Like a fair bit younger when I did it, but I still was not a fan. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you just like you're like you're walking like like on all fours kind of, but on an angle. Mm. So you like you're kind of forced to look down. You know, just, yeah. Mm. yeah, but you're all harnessed up and everything. Nope. Oh, no harnesses. <laughs> <laughs> That's why if there's harnesses, I would have been fine. Yeah, but yeah. there's like there's no no control. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, that's a little bit more frightening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, see, like, what I learned, because when we did the high ropes course together, yeah. right, Ben? Um, when we did that, like, I learned, that was the first time in my life that I actually learned, because I'm not a fan of heights either. That was the first time I learned that if I'm in a harness, I have lots of confidence. <laughs> the, the harness makes all the difference. It yeah, does. Yeah, but that, that no, that's, that's something else. No, thank you. <laughs> For me, the, the biggest risk that I've taken, I'm going to take this in a different direction. Um, I'd say the biggest risk that I've taken is getting married. 
Mm-hmm. And, I, and I don't mean that in a bad way. But what I'm meaning is like the decision that you make of who you marry is something that can dramatically affect the rest of your life. And so obviously you want to get to know the person beforehand, but there's a pretty big uh, portion of your life where you don't know who, like how everything's going to develop. You don't really know that person to the level that you're going to after you get married. You don't know that beforehand. You can know them really well. You can see their character really well. But at some point, you actually have to take a leap of faith and say that you're going to commit because the commitment is the point. That's the the beauty of covenant, right? That you are you are making a decision that is going to alter the rest of your life. And it's it's a really powerful thing to do. And it's actually it actually brings out the best in any individual, in, in my opinion. So uh, it's a really beautiful thing. But at the same time, it is actually a very risky thing to do if you look at it that way. Yeah. But positive risk. It reminds me of a story. I think I've mentioned this story already. Like Abraham's Lincoln wedding. Abraham Lincoln, sorry. What about him? Oh, like the, the night before his wedding, like they had to literally like drag him to the altar because <laughs> he was like petrified of the thought of, or like what the, like the gravity of the situ of the decision mm. he was going to make. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not yeah. like he's uh, you know a um, a coward, right? <laughs> like this is, we're talking about Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Mm. So that's that's great. That's amazing. <laughs> So we're doing part two yes, of our series on, what do we call it? Exodus 2.0. Exodus 2.0, yes. Why yeah. young people leave the church. Yeah. And last time we talked about the internal factors, like mm. what in, in the way that we do church might be mm. causing our young people not to be engaging and, and to be walking out instead. Mm. We said we would come back to the things outside of the church that contribute to our young people leaving uh, our congregations and, and the faith. So... What, are, what do you guys think are some of the external factors that contribute to this exodus? One of the big things that, that I guess is relevant from my perspective is not necessarily money or, or maybe success, like temporal success, right? Like, you know, making a mark on the world in your own name sort of thing. That, that, try to, ambition, that's the word. <laughs> I, think, I knew I'd find it in the end. But the attraction of, of that, I think, is, is a really big draw card because mm-hmm. the world offers that. If you're willing to sacrifice your, your morals and your, you know, all the things that you hold dear as a Christian, if you're willing to let go of those things, you can get a long way. Mm-hmm. In, in worldly terms I have to say that's, that was one of the things that really made me anxious when I finally did go back into the church mm-hmm. yeah, that was one of the things that I, I it was a bit of a, it was a struggle for me like n- just realizing not knowing whether um, my ambitions were something that was compatible to the faith that I was about to join and um, praise God that you know over time I realized that you know they were but at the time, I didn't really know that. And that was, that was one of the things that, that frightened me, to be honest. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I resonate with that. Mm. Well, work can definitely be um, difficult. Um, I actually lost my first job because I refused to increase my hours onto a Saturday. Mm. They had actually, the week before, offered me uh, basically an increased position. And I turned it down. And I'm just like, and the thought came to my mind, I, I need to be honest about this. I should actually let them know that it's for a religious reason because they'd asked me previously mm. and I just said family reasons. So I took a stand and I lost my job. Wow. wow. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because 
it, it was a tough three months, but between that job and the next one, the next one was the big one that set me up, uh, my career up. So, and I wouldn't have gotten that had I stayed in my position. So it all worked out in the end. Mm. But from a worldly point of view, and in that moment, it looked like I made a bad choice by revealing my reasons for turning down the extra hours. Mm. I'm surprised that they were allowed to terminate you. Like the well, Fair Works Commission. Like, surely you would have been able to like if you'd wanted to appeal that i probably would have had grounds but basically i wasn't terminated on that apparently all these complaints had just emerged within um three days of the offer (laughs) (laughs) so they terminated me immediately without warning and they're supposed to give warning on those sorts of things of all these magical complaints which i had no idea about until that point yeah, old backdated complaint. I yeah. Guess, I guess you'd be glad to get out of there then if that's the kind of workplace it was. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't regret it at all. Mm-hmm. So, like, what I'm hearing essentially is, like, the, the secularism that goes on outside of the church, the, the opportunities that that brings, um, but also um, what you're saying, I guess, Ben, is sometimes it also brings with it persecution yeah. um, against what we, you know, might feel uh, is our obligation from mm-hmm. a church perspective or from, from a Christian perspective. Um, yeah, and I definitely can, can see that, you know, like even for me growing up, one of the aspirations that I had that never seemed compatible with my faith was to, to be involved in sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I was particularly keen on footy and cricket and both of those were happening on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. And so that was when our family went to church. And so I was never able to participate in these activities. And so as a young child and, and growing up through my teens and whatever, whatever, I was always just looking forward to that time when I left home so that I could join clubs and start playing on the weekends and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can see the attraction of, of the world in, in many of those avenues for the things that we might enjoy or think mm-hmm. are, are important. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for example, you know, success you spoke of before, Luke, and the, the, the allurement that it has. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if that's what you're looking for mm-hmm. in your life, if you're looking for, for some form of, like, status, you know, you know, like, I guess you'd probably see this in your industry a bit, or a, and I imagine that there would be some doctors who, who are, you know, all about status. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and I imagine it's the case in many professions. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, if that's your aspiration, then you're going to have to make some sacrifices along the way so that mm-hmm. you look like you got everything together you know but unfortunately it takes an awful lot of work as well to do that and so that can can quite often crowd out your spiritual aspirations so yeah i can see that and with a lot of that status uh, it, it, it comes with a price uh, if you, a lot of those people who who go down that pathway they end up finding that they have to make a lot of compromises and what part of those compromises may include things like you know, not making your views on creation too, too uh, boisterous, for example. Right. You, know, you, you don't really want to be, you know, to, to look like the odd one out. And sometimes those pressures and those peer pressures around that, um, around, you know, m- make sure that you're, you're towing the line mm-hmm. um, in, when it comes to those views, whether it's regarding th- things like creation or even political views can make your, your standing in trying to balance going to church and at the same time, you know, engaging in that, in pursuing that kind of road, very mm-hmm. difficult. 
So yeah, so I think that's that's part of the byproducts of that as well. Mm. It's that one of the unintended consequences of going down that path. It becomes that snowball effect. Mm-hmm. You know, it starts with you know pursuing that status, and then before you know it, you're, you're giving ground to your very deep fundamental beliefs, whether knowingly or unknowingly. And then before you know it, you're right in the deep end. Never ever starts off as something that's very abrupt. Yeah. Um, it's usually something that's very infinite, like an infinitesimally small, small. Mm. Um, increments yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. well just what you're saying Laurie, and also mm-hmm. what you were saying before dave you know just like that desire for sport and all of those things that do find their you know they seem attractive to us i think two things are true there one is that we where we focus our attention that's where we're going to grow the most right and so if you are focusing all of your attention onto those things that are leading you away from God, then you're going to become very adept in those areas. But that, like I think what you're saying there is that there's always going to be that consequence, right? There's a, there's a flip side to that coin. You can't pick both. There's, there's, not, there's no option where you can have your cake and eat it too. And I think we also need to recognize that every one of those desires is a negative form or an opposite form of something that is godly, right? Like if you feel the desire for influence and and power in, in the world in some way and that leads you away from the church, that, or let's say, leads you away from God, that's one thing, but that's probably evidence of the fact that it's on your heart to affect other people for positive reasons, right? Like if, if you were harnessing that in God's design, you would you would still have influence, but you would be influencing people into uh, having either a, a closer walk with him or just making their lives better by serving and loving the people that are around you. So those desires that we have aren't necessarily completely unholy desires, but we need to find where they have their appropriate place and where they're going to actually benefit us. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can be quite quite deceiving. Like I know when I was um, in college, like back in the day, I, I used to, I spent the, for about four years in a residential college. So you really live in very close proximity with people. And it, a position came up where they were looking for um, what we call residential advisors. Um, and that was basically a kind of like, I guess the equivalent of that in a school situation is like the, like a school counselor, or just kind of like almost like a chaplaincy type role. Mm-hmm. It's like a leadership role. And it, it was like a role that a lot of the people who lived on college really, really coveted. It was like one of those things that you put on your resume kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it was around the time I was still outside the church at the time. But around that time where I was making an application, I just made my decision to get baptized and the issue of Sabbath came up. Mm-hmm. Um, similar to Ben mm. and and of course I justified in my mind like hey this is an amazing opportunity to provide mm. influence and I can be a spiritual leader mm. I can you know, you, you know like a tremendous opportunity like that I thought in my mind but then um, literally the the advisor um, like the the headmaster said to me look um, all right you weren't keeping Sabbath before so you know, this shouldn't be an issue for you. And I had to make the, the difficult decision to, it was extremely difficult yeah. um, decision to make because I was like my dream to get that role, but he was like, I, I couldn't kind of continue. So I had to give it up. So it's, so I guess with that, it's just even things that we think, you know, maybe beneficial, we might try and even disguise it and, and try and decorate it and to make it look like it's something that could be for God's glory. Mm. Um, could have actually led me further outside the church if I, but kept at it, yeah. yeah. 
Well, I mean, th- th- we should probably pick up some of these threads because uh, this direction that we're sort of headed down is more firmly into the the next thing, which is like issues that are inside the heart that lead us away, which we'll be talking about more in the next episode. But as far as other things that are in the world that, that draw people away, one of the other ones that I was thinking about before is the the scientific what what we perceive to be the scientific method right people consider that people that are spiritual faith based people they're going to be discounting science and that's probably another another reason that we see a lot of people leave the church as well yeah I'm curious Steve you're a bit younger than the rest of us um, what was the uh, messaging like in your school experience because you went through all Christian school yeah yeah, yeah I was very fortunate in that in that regard. And I never took biology, uh, which my brother did. And the state curriculum in biology is very, well, obviously it's pro-evolution and it's like part of the syllabus that they have to be taught it. Um, But for me, I did chemistry and physics and it never really came up. Okay. Um, So I was, yeah, not that it would have influenced me, I don't think, but yeah, it Especially throughout, like I never heard about it in primary school because it wasn't really a thing. Yeah. Like evolution was a thing, but it wasn't really in the school system when I was in primary school. And when I got to high school, yeah, just never bumped up against it. I've done a little bit. I shouldn't say done a little bit. It's been broached in some of my university courses. Um, And again, it's just, you know, stating it as fact. Yeah. Which I mean, like that's, that's their view. That's fine. And I've been fortunate again with that in that it's not been an accessible thing. It's just more been like for your, like kind of like as a, a side note or like a uh, setting the scene. I can't remember the fancy word for it, but like sure. just background information, I guess, yep. for like land studies and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it hasn't been a big deal for me. Okay. Because I think in, um, yeah, and you, you're right in saying probably university is where it gets more intense. But I think in um, the public school system, um, there's yeah. a fairly strong emphasis on it, uh, particularly more recently, which is why I was asking you from your experience. But I remember even when I was in high school, I think it was year seven and eight science classes that they were, you know, fairly heavily ingraining that into us. Um, you know, that was very just clearly stated, you know, this is what this is what happened. And so I think that could pose a challenge because if you haven't had a, a strong foundation in your home, mm. in creation, in, you know, the the evidence for Christianity mm. Um, and so you're sort of just floating on your parents' faith and then you come into school and they're stating to you as fact that the earth is a lot older than you thought it was, yeah. that creation isn't how it all started. And presenting but, evidence. Right. But, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. What, what seems like strong evidence, yeah. you know, that could quite easily erode um, your confidence in your faith. And, and if that started at a fairly young age, before you've really even made a commitment for yourself, um, I could see that, you know, sort of sowing the seeds of doubt that would later on bear fruit. Well, um, it, it did for me. Um, after high school, I became pretty well agnostic for a couple of years because I found the evolution theory to be very logical and um, I was leaning towards that way. Okay. But really? then I spent a little bit more time in creation theory and I'm just like, uh, it, basically it could go either way. And because I, um, my image of God has always been of a loving Heavenly Father, 
it, I was drawn back because of that, mm-hmm. because I found a, a way of moving forward. And the other thing is, when you start actually going through evolution theory, on the surface it looks very logical, it's, it looks very accurate, but once you scrape um, behind that, you start seeing just how flawed it is. The fact that every 10 years they're just about rewriting it, it's just... Every time you um, you look at the older textbooks, it's just it's it's just com- they completely rubbish every every couple of decades what what's already been done, and it stops being so logical. And you can see a lot of the um, the flaws behind it, and I just I couldn't believe in it anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, but I, I still think that had my parents not put a good picture of God in my um, in my heart. And in my mind, I don't know if I would have come back as well. Right. I think that's the challenge, isn't it? You know, it doesn't really matter what it is, whatever the thing is in the world that draws you away. At the end of the day, what has been implanted in your heart while you were in the church is going to make or break what that does to you. Because I think it's fine to have doubts. I think it's fine to wrestle with, you Mm. know, the truths that you might, you know, need to to discover for yourself, you know, because I think sometimes people, particularly church kids that are brought up in the church, you know, their parents might be um, just just sharing things with them without giving them any evidence. And then when you go into a society that everything has to be evidence-based, particularly if you're doing any sort of higher education Mm. or a science career, you know, that's drilled into you. You know, critical thinking is a part of of everyday life in those kinds of communities. And when that's not the normal at church, um, yeah, that's going to be really hard. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think at the end of the day, it's going to come back, like you said, Ben, to, to what what your foundation was mm. so i know i know we're addressing more so what's going on outside the church but i think it's really interesting to note that these things that we're talking about drawing us away drawing us away um if we're wanting to keep our young people in the church we should counteract those things with you know so for the scientific methods some some good hard evidence for for the, for our faith you know mm. rather than just um just sharing you know the stories and the messaging that we've been sharing for for decades uh, with people you know that that sort of pat our egos um actually getting into those things that might cause doubt and providing an answer yeah um and also you know from a secular perspective as well uh demonstrating the follies of uh, a purely secular lifestyle you know showing that it doesn't bring happiness showing that you know uh it doesn't matter how much money you have that's not where you tie your value to um if, if we can if we can demonstrate these things i guess to young people at a at a, an age where they're still impressionable uh, and even if they then go and explore that down the track then there's that's providing them a foundation that they've got something to come back to mm. i know that's something that motivates me in my sabbath school context when i'm teaching the kids i always think you know if we can make this sabbath school experience something that they will never forget you know, such a positive experience that they will never forget this, then I don't care if they go and have a journey away from the church for a time. I know there's a reason for them to come back, Yeah. you know, and God will always keep trying, you know. So if we've laid a platform for God to work with, I feel like we've done our job. We can't hover over the kids and make sure they don't leave the church. That's not our job. The Holy Spirit didn't sign us up for that. Um, that's his business. Um, but what we can do is we can lay a solid platform. And so I think as churches, we need to take that on board and think to ourselves, what are the things that the world is going to throw at these kids? And how can we counteract that with something positive? You know, something that will, that will provide them with evidence, the evidence that they require um, to, to become 
uh, an invested Christian. Yeah. And ultimately, I think one of the things that uh, we often we often are silent on when we really shouldn't be is the fact that you use the word evidence a few times then, Dave. And I think that what a lot of uh, people, particularly young people, don't understand is that the same evidence that's available to um, us as believers, you, I mean, we can think about creationism, but you can take that further than that as well if you want to, but, um, but specifically speaking about these sort of scientific topics, the same evidence that's available to us is the same evidence that's available to an evolutionary professor. It's just how that in- evidence is interpreted. And what people hear in education systems is that there is only one interpretation of that evidence. And uh, I think it's very helpful for us to realize that it doesn't even matter what the topic is if, if it could be um, biology or it could you know, evolution or anything else even theology ultimately everybody's using the same source material the challenge is how do you interpret it in the most um, accurate way and and often we don't teach our young people how to do that we don't teach them how to think critically about these things so I know that's an internal problem but it intersects right it it that problem is amplified by how the world then presents it back to our, you know the people that are in the church. Mm. Yeah, and if you don't mind, just a brief tangent. Mm. I think it's really important it, the way that we do that messaging, Luke. I've seen it done in a very um, harsh, critical manner. So we present creation by tearing down evolutionists and their theories. Um, and I think that's, that's a... Um, an ineffective method yeah. um, because quite often what that does is it, it gives you, uh, I guess, a reason to doubt the people that are sharing the message mm-hmm. because if you have to tear somebody else down, your own foundation, I don't think, can be that strong. Mm-hmm. But also, I think it's, it's, it's like we're putting Christianity aside for a moment to tear down evolution to build up Christianity and you can't build up Christianity by putting it aside. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to remain Christian, Christ-like, in the way that we wrestle with these topics that, you know, uh, there's certainly other messaging going on. And I, I just get really frustrated when we as a church are disrespectful of other people's beliefs just because they're different than ours. Mm. Um, and so I think when we're mess- giving the messaging to our young people, we need to do a better job at, at providing room for doubt and, and room for other people's opinions mm. than um, people who are not of faith do for ours. Yeah. Um, because otherwise, we are worse than they are, mm. you know, and that's certainly not going to be helping the youth to have a reason to stay. Mm. Yeah, anyway, that's a little bugbear of mine, so just want to get that off my chest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely agree, because if the message isn't positive as well, it's it's... It's not going to um, bring people around because positive messaging has um, has a much better impact long term. Mm. Anybody, feel free to cycle back to any of these things. But it just occurred to me one really big thing that we've missed in, in our discussion so far: relationships. Mm. You know, the the mm. desire for for relationships often leads people out of the churches, especially our young people. In many senses as well, like peer pressure yeah. from, mm-hmm. from a friendship level. Mm-hmm. I know you're talking about more intimate relationships than that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, certainly... All of the above. People, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And also the things that go along with people. Like I remember when I was in school, uh, one of the things that, that was always tugging at me was my mate saying, you know, I want you to come around and have a beer with me or, you know, like let's go and party or whatever. And I'm... Like I wasn't really interested in that because I'm a bit too introverted for a party. Mm-hmm. But when one of my close mates is like, you know, singing country songs using my name and it saying I want to have a beer with you, <laughs> I was like, you know, like, 
that's kind of attractive. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Because he's a close mate, and it sounded like it sounded like a nice experience to sit around a fire with him and, and have a beer. Mm. Um, but it was it was it wasn't really the beer that was pulling on my heart. It was just the friendship, yeah. and so we can't discount the value of people. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's certainly a big one, Luke. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, well, we're we're social creatures. We we desire connection with our fellow human beings, and yeah, it, it can tug us away. That's why it's so important to have um, good friends who share that um share your beliefs and that because that can help concrete you in not only in the faith but in, in such a way that god can reach your heart in difficult times as well i mean there's nothing wrong with having mates outside the church but yeah you you need them in the church as well if you're going to live a balanced life yeah and especially when you're young and impressionable yeah it's really important that you um yeah have i guess like you're saying the right balance of friendships mm. because it's very, it's, let's say it this way, it's easier to be pulled away um, than it is to be pulled in. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, if you're in a situation where you've got, you know, heaps of mates who are outside of the church and you're not necessarily on a solid fa- platform yourself, mm. you know, that's not going to bait well for you. Yeah. 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 And I think this becomes even more important when we're talking about um, people that are living in more regional areas where your your pool of friendships is a lot smaller because then the the draw to uh, go outside of that is even even greater you know and especially when we're talking about um, romantic relationships you know if you're looking for a spouse and there's zero people at your church and there's zero seemingly zero people in any of the surrounding areas that fit the criteria that you have or at least that your church has for somebody for you to find then all of a sudden it starts becoming a bit more of a challenge right to to think about well what what now yeah. yeah. In a very extreme situation, some people find themselves more compatible with people outside the church yeah. than there is within. Like yeah. they find us like, like often you meet people who often we find that those values can sometimes overlap yeah. with the values that we ha- even have in, and we espouse in and the church. Values surprise, of right? you know even yeah. like promoting the environment or healthy living or mm-hmm. you know having a purpose beyond yourself. You know there are many people who don't necessarily go to church who have those values. Mm. And whereas those people who are even in a church, this goes back to the hypocrisy question that we that we talked about in the last episode, mm-hmm. where we see this kind of like this this kind of contradiction of 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 values, and then and then obviously that leads them to want to seek that somewhere else. So yeah, I think I think that can be a bit challenged when it, it can be a bit um, confusing to a lot of young people when they see these things outside. They're like, wait, like they I have more in common with with that person than right. I do with anyone. I might like go and yeah. join this non-profit uh, yeah. and leave the church, for example. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think as you're saying, you know, like it's especially, again, I, I keep saying this, but anyway, it's relevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really important when you're younger and more impressionable as well, you know, like if you're, if you're going to be flirting with, uh, you know, girls, uh, you know, and, and having relationships with girls outside of the church when you don't have like a really solid platform yourself um that's really really dangerous ground you know from a perspective of faith you know because that's going to be far more attractive to you than the jesus that you hardly know mm-hmm. you know what i mean so like if you're going to explore other options um you know outside of a christian circle you want to be sure that your roots are deep mm-hmm. you know what i mean you know like that's a that's like a prerequisite if you're going to be exploring that um yeah 
Is there anything wrong with having close friends outside the church? Like having like a, a confidant? No, I don't think so. I think I think it's great. In fact, you know, like we we I think we need to have uh, people inside and outside the church to keep balance in our lives, mm. um, and also to have an evangelistic opportunity. Mm. You know, if we're just hanging out with church people, we're no good to anybody. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's just really important when you're young that you you have a good share of both. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I agree. But is that your question, all right? Or, yeah. or were you meaning more so people like? into your like allowing people into the like the closest circle mm, to you yeah that that was what i was alluding to like whether it, the, the intensity of the relationship do you think there's wisdom in in kind of being more intentional on how how deep we allow people to get into our lives especially when people aren't necessarily sharing our faith mm-hmm. um is there wisdom in that at all or or if you have a strong foundation say Maybe it doesn't matter. You can I think go de- as deep as you want. It depends on your situation. Mm. Like if I was out in the sticks and the church comprised of three over 50-year-olds mm. and me and like there's another, you know, 20-something-year-old bloke in town and we got on really well, then of course he's probably going to be your best mate. Mm. You're going to do everything with him. But I think in that, and you're talking about wisdom a lot, it's it's being aware and being self-aware mm. and going okay we we align on these things but not on this and be aware of it mm. and then the things that you don't align align on them with with them with them on yeah. <laughs> like the other people in your church who may not be you know you may not click well with them but if you can rely on them for those things right like yeah, and I think That's smart. Yeah, you use the terms how self-aware you are, and I think that is the real key. And I think that's something that you only do develop as you as you mature. Because I know when I was younger, I probably wouldn't have had the required amount of of self-awareness to manage that kind of a thing. I mean, now I do, but when I was when I was young in, in my Christian experience, probably not. So it's probably a case of trying to know what you know and also know what you don't know, and recognize when it what's going to be healthy for you where you're at. So. Can I also ask? I I don't know whether this is relevant to this conversation or not, but no, we've been all over the place so far. So let's just do it. <laughs> How deep are you going to go with somebody who you don't share a worldview with anyway? Yeah. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like. If if you don't see eye to eye on the the most important issues to you, with that sort of person, or are they going to get into that inner circle? And if they do, that probably tells you more about you than it does about them. Do you know what I mean? Because what it tells you about you is you're aligning more with them than with what you thought was your worldview, and so therefore your worldview might be different than what you thought it was. Do you know what I mean? Like if if I if I as somebody who I have a fairly strong Christian worldview, um, I'm fairly confident in that. Um, if I you're stubborn is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> you call it what you like. Um, Informed stubbornness. <laughs> um, if I was getting really close to somebody who uh, was was extremely strong in like an atheistic perspective. Like there would be so many areas that we just wouldn't go to get, go with each other, you know, in conversation, mm. in in fellowship, because it would be too uncomfortable or it would be too contradictory or conflicting. Mm. So I think, in some ways, I don't mean this in a bad way, but in some ways, the question itself is flawed by that fact, right? Mm. So, but it's an important thing that you bring up because 
what it does tell us is uh, it tells us about ourselves mm -hmm. and it tells us that if if somebody who is of a different faith background or um you know worldview to us gets that close to us into our inner circle where we'd rather talk to them about you know really important matters than somebody who is of our faith community for example um, or of our belief system or of our worldview, however you want to put that, mm. um, that probably tells us we're not as sure as we thought we were. Mm. Yeah, mm. so, yeah, good point. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it, it, it probably varies from case to case. Like, I, I would say maybe if you're very close friends with just people that you just work with all the time and you share a lot of challenges together, you share a lot of conflicts together, you probably will get quite close um, over time. Uh, you may not necessarily share the same church, but you may share the same annoyance with your boss or something. <laughs> <laughs> and I think like, you know, those, you know, they say, you know, difficult times, you know, draw people closer. You know, I'm sure like the our forefathers who fought in, you know, great conflicts who've you know never met each other um, from all over the country you draw close because you're sharing very very close and intimate you know situations and and you're protecting each other and so i think it'll it'll probably vary on those circumstances you can probably bond over other things whereas maintain we remain amicable among um, mm. other things that you may disagree yeah yeah so i agree yeah i think that's, that's possible yeah but maybe not necessarily wise yeah. Possibly. <laughs> we can agree to disagree. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that I disagree. I just don't know that I would feel as strongly as you sound like you feel. Yeah. 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 And that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, just before we wrap up, because I can see you want to move on, Luke. Since, since when does that stop anybody? <laughs> Fair point. Um, I just wanted to say, like, all of the things that we've talked about, tie that all together. And, and I just wanted to spell out that none of these things need to be drawing anybody away from the church mm. if a the church is doing what they should be doing well uh, and and for me that comes down to providing a sense of belonging mm. and also like we said evidence for mm. what we what we're teaching what we're believing and also if we are intentionally invested in our own uh, decision to be a christian right and so young people aren't necessarily decided in that and that's why i say it's a lot of it is the church's responsibility and and probably also the family's responsibility i probably should have said that as well mm. um, but yeah then when it does come to the individual the things that the world offers don't have to be strong enough of a pull to to draw us away from the church that's really down to us ultimately like that's mm -hmm. our responsibility if we want to be blasé, flippant about our faith and not be intentional about developing a connection with God, um, then those things are going to have a stronger pull on our, on our hearts. But if we're going to be intentional about connecting with God every day and building a relationship with Him where we have confidence, I don't think any of those things are going to be strong enough to pull us away from our faith. Mm -hmm. Well, we might leave that one there. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. We are coming back with the, the third part of this uh, this series next week and hope you come back to enjoy that with us then. If this has been good for you, share it with a friend. Tell them how awesome you uh, how awesome it was and that you want them to listen to it with you so you can talk about it when it's over. And uh, we will catch you guys for the next episode next week. 
And that's the end of another episode. Just before I head off, I want to encourage you to go over to our page on Facebook and also our account on Instagram and follow us there because that is where we interact with our listeners and we would love for you to enter in and join the conversation. Also, while you're signing up, I would also recommend signing up to our mailing list on our website, oztabletalk.com.au. If you do that, you will receive our exclusive content because occasionally we do release exclusives and they only go out to our mailing list. So I would strongly recommend you go and sign up for that. If you have a few more minutes to be one of the most amazing listeners on the planet, you can go over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review because reviews help us to grow and they help other people to find us. So if you want to help us reach those goals, please jump in and give us a review. The final message that I'd like to leave you with is to let you know about our Patreon account. Now, Patreon is a way for creators to get paid for creating. And ultimately, what we do does cost money to get us hosted and have the services that we need to run the podcast. And so if you'd like to help us do that, jump over onto patreon.com slash oztabletalk and you can you can give anything from even a dollar a month upwards. But at different levels, there are different benefits, different rewards that we want to give you just to say thank you for being an amazing supporter of ours. If you can't afford that, we would just gratefully accept your prayers because that is what our ministry runs on. And so with that, I will leave you to your day and thank you so much for listening to this episode. We look forward to seeing you guys next week.